get it? The poison. My new recruit asked me, fumbling with the gold heart pin on her sleeve. Uh, well, first of all, for future reference, we just call them active ingredients, even in private. Because nothing is actually private anymore, I say, walking over to my Echo Dot to hold up its disconnected cord. You never know what's listening where, so it's best to keep your red flags to yourself, I say with a wink to let her know I'm not mad. Oh shit, I'm sorry, she sputters. I smile warmly and say, it's all right. This is my home and I have a lot of precautions in place. But most people don't and shouldn't live their lives in a constant state of awareness. We are resigned to being the outliers around here. I go on, knowing that she's still hoping for an answer. Where do we get it though? That's a fair question. And if you're going to work with us, you may need to know. But we don't tell clients, ever. And that's for their protection. They don't need to know where we get it, just that we get it. So is it like for rats, she pushes? Can you still get it at the hardware store? I laugh again. This one is genuinely funny to me. Uh, well, I say, you can get lots of scary stuff at a hardware store, but rat poison hasn't contained arsenic for many years, and we don't use it anyway. Not as many people are up and dying of dysentery these days, so vomiting yourself to death is both messy and cause for an investigation. To fly under the radar, we need something that looks like a freak occurrence, a natural event that everyone's heard of. People still have heart attacks every day, even when they're otherwise young and healthy. It's not common, but it happens enough. And they all look pretty much the same. Look outside. You see that flower bed across the street? The pretty bush with the pink flowers is oleander. Eight leaves and you're dead. Not very efficient, but true nonetheless. Do you think the woman who lives there knows that? Of course not. It's just a piece of landscaping to her. Go look out the back window. You see that flower bed in the back of my yard? The one with the tall, swaying, bell-shaped blossoms and their little teeny white counterparts? Those will stop your heart. 10 milligrams of the tall one will kill you. It takes a little more of the small one, but it can get the job done. Mostly, I just think the little ones are pretty, though. If you walk around the neighborhood, you'll see a lot more of these repeated in unsuspecting flower beds all over. They don't even register as dangerous to most people. But that's true of most pretty things, isn't it? Their flowers are brightly colored to attract pollinators, not people. In nature, bright colors are a warning, one that most of us have evolved to forget. But those plants are noticeable. You see that weed growing next to the flower bed? The one with the lacy green leaves? That's hemlock. It's indigenous to this region. A drop of the liquid that grows in its purple stalk will burn right through your skin. It only takes 150 milligrams of that plant to kill you. And it looks like COVID when it does. But it's just a weed to most of us. In a few weeks, I'll pull that one out. Maybe I'll even remark to my neighbors what a near miss it was. Lots of the plants that grow wild around here are dangerous, but we're used to seeing them and have been desensitized to their potential. 
It's funny, it can be really hard to grow your own fruits and vegetables. It's even harder to grow roses and you can eat as many of those as you want. They take careful cultivation and tend to be finicky and sensitive. They're fussy and popular and need so much attention, but not weeds. A weed is hardy and spreads like wildfire. It doesn't care what you throw at it, it's going to survive. If it dies in the winter, it'll be back in the spring. A weed will choke out other plants so it can climb towards the sunshine. It will force its roots through concrete to stay where it feels safe and feed off weaker plants to grow strong. Weeds can be impossible to get rid of. At times, they even feel spiteful. But that's not it at all. They just want to live. They'll do whatever they have to to survive. And so will we. I have a great deal of respect for weeds. People think I'm crazy for letting them grow in my yard next to their pretty counterparts. Do you think I'm crazy? Another phrase for weeds, usually the better looking ones, is an invasive species. Those are plants that don't belong where they are. It's not where they came from. Usually someone planted them at one point. The person loved them and admired their beauty, but eventually, as people do, they moved on and the plant remained. It couldn't go back to where it came from. It's a plant, so its choice was to make this new place its own or die. These species always choose to live, no matter the cost. In secret, they grow wild and realize that only when they were set free did they see their own potential. They didn't choose to be neglected, but they did choose to change the way they saw things. And so do we. Do you understand what I'm saying? Good. Oh, and the Belladonna's in the garage. She's kind of a celebrity, so it's best to keep her inside. We must remember that danger can be around any corner. But if we make it our friend, we don't have to be afraid. I'm Holly. I'm John. And we, we would, would be, be dead. dead. Hey, fiends. Well, if you haven't guessed it by now, the jig is up. Leslie has delivered her beautiful little baby girl. I know. I'm so excited. And so she is at home taking care of her new baby and adjusting to motherhood and life, which is different. Yeah. She's doing a really great job, I have to add. But there's no way we'd let October pass by without giving you guys all the content you deserve. So... We brought in some super fun guessos. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Longtime fiends. Um, and even not even that long-time fiends will probably recognize the voice you're hearing. Um, mm. we'll give you a little more of a formal introduction in a minute, but um, <laughs> but our friend John is here and we're so excited about it. I'm excited. And uh and John has been with us since like the beginning. So he knows what's going on here. He knows what we do and how we do it. So I'm going to make him do all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. 
Yay. Longtime listeners will also know that my pet topic is and has always been poison and poisoners. I just like the historical cases where botanical atrocities are mixed in thick glass bottles under the cloak of darkness. I'm not here for the randomness of like anthrax or the sterility of nerve gas. Mm. That's not our vibe. No. No, that's not it. <laughs> no, no. I want a greenhouse filled with sinister blossoms and a steaming cup of curiously colored tea. I want ingredients gathered from disgraced members of the clergy and arsenic-dusted lemon squares arranged just so on a silver plate. Delicious. Yes, that's what we're going for here. My kind of poisoner is a whole mood. And no one understands that mood better than our guest host this week. I believe. Anyway, so yes, please welcome owner and caretaker of Grimace Gardens, Mr. John Radicasa. Hi, everyone. Hi, John. <laughs> yeah, so John has his very own poison plant garden. I sure do. Which is super cool, and I can't wait to talk about it. Thanks. It's like such a cool original thing. Um, and his TikToks uh, have exploded, so the world does want to know about it. <laughs> well, I guess so. <laughs> they do. I was lucky enough to visit this lovely and mysterious place. And it is, oh boy, you guys, it is really cool. <laughs> it's so cool. And don't worry, we're going to talk all about it in a couple seconds. I have a full Q&A, but right now, <clears throat> oh, you know, I'm not really feeling so well. Oh, no. I, I think I'm kind of pale. Do I look pale to you? I'm just like a smidge. And clammy. Can you look clammy? I feel like I look clammy. I think so. Yeah, a little bit. A little shine. Yeah, I know. It's not It's not good. Ugh. I know. It's not a very good look. Do you think maybe I inhaled a little too hard when I was in your greenhouse? I Probably not, right? Yeah, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> That's comforting. Well, just in case, I should probably keep some antidote on hand. And I know that every plan is different. But I've heard there is one thing that works against all of them. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah. And that's right. It's just a couple precious grains of... Validation a hill worth dying on. Oh, round of applause. <laughs> Thanks. Round of applause. I'm so ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie is so proud. I'm, that's, all, that's my goal. That's all we all want. Just want to make Leslie proud. You see, we have fun. <laughs> and the best thing about this priceless ingredient, John, is that our fiends can give it to us totally free of charge. Oh, my gosh. How? But how, you must be asking yourself. <laughs> See, he knows what to do. He knows all the bits. <laughs> Good. Well, I will tell you. Simply head on over to Spotify or Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and or a friendly review. It really is the only way to move this podcast forward. Ratings and reviews equal attention. Attention equals support. And support equals more and better content for all of you. Nice. Love it. Hmm. But if you just can't wait for any more We Would Be Dead in your life, don't worry. You don't have to. You can support us over on Patreon. I didn't make you do that. <laughs> Sometimes Leslie goes real bassy on yeah, that. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> okay. There for just a few dollars a month, you will gain access to our entire catalog of 30-minute horror movies, special mini-sodes. I think John is in some of that content, actually. I think I am, too. <laughs> I think you are. Uh, you'll get access to our weekly after show, Host Mortem, which is available in both video and audio formats. Maybe you want to see our faces. Maybe you don't. Both are okay. But see our faces. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> you'll also get a special gift in the mail from us, giveaways, merch deals, and on-air toast dedicated just to you and more. In all honesty, we are here thanks to our patrons, so come on over and be part of the We Would Be Dead family. 
And if you haven't gotten your toast and you've become a patriot in the past couple of weeks, <laughs> it is because Leslie is in charge of Patreon and I didn't get those names. So now a little, little behind the scenes look at what we do. Yeah. Um, but she's, she's over there killing it. So don't worry, it'll come. I promise. We never, we don't skip anybody ever. And if all of that is a little too much for you, you can simply follow us on social media. We are at Would Be Dead Pod anywhere and everywhere you get your content. You can like our posts, share our posts, like and share our posts. The best option. It's the good one. <laughs> Leave us a comment, post about your favorite episode. Let us know when you're listening. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Okay. Tell that person around the corner who has the impossibly beautiful landscaping and three dead spouses. What's their name? I do this to Leslie every single episode. Is there a Margaret yet? No. I think it's Margaret. All right, I like it. Yeah. That's she nice. wears like the robes that like the I just killed my husband robe, you oh, know? Oh, yes. She frolics through her garden with like shears that she never cuts her plants with, but I, she's just holding them. I think I want to be her. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's the goal. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. We got it. Perfect. <laughs> Well, then your friends and Margaret can become fiends and we can all hang out together. Maybe she'll tell us how. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she'll be like, okay, you guys, here's where I order my robes. And we'll be like, right. taking notes. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I really needed to know. <laughs> the Amazon ones are probably shit. So. Right. Okay. Now, I think that is all I have in the way of announcements for this week. John, do you have anything to add before we begin? Mm, nope. All right, then. <laughs> On with the show. I like that Leslie and you have both always consider it. Like, do I? <laughs> I might. I got to keep the no. tradition alive for we, Leslie. We appreciate you. So, Leslie and I covered poison as a general topic in an early episode of the podcast. I think it was during quarantine. It was, for sure. It was like a lockdown yeah. one, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, that episode is where our editor famously created a little rap out of the moment where I list off poisons. <laughs> and then John made a video of it. Oh my gosh. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll share that with you. It's pretty funny. I'll admit it. Um, and if you didn't listen to that episode yet, it's called Drink Me. And you should go back and give it a listen because it gives a lot of history that I don't cover in this episode because I've already done it. But, you know, if you're interested in poison, please do give it a listen. But we knew then, just as we know now, that the topic of poison as a whole is far too broad for just one episode. And honestly, it's too big for even two episodes. I have way more to talk about. Honestly, I could talk about poison and its history all day long. But it's hard to find someone who is just as pointedly fascinated with this topic as I am. So when the opportunity came up, you better believe I jumped right on it. <laughs> pretty excited. I'm like, John will listen to me talk about this. Uh, for hours. For hours. <laughs> Do I smell a spinoff? Ooh. We just talk about poison? I don't know. It's, we are dead after hours. <laughs> we, we just are dead. Right. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Uh, okay. So this week, we're going to select a few poisons we haven't talked about yet, and then we'll bring you some cases wherein these poisons achieve their wicked destiny. Mm. Yes. And what is oh so special about this poison episode is that we will be talking about plants that John is currently growing right in his own backyard. Mm-hmm. Or have grown and they are finished and they will come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this gives us insights that literally no one else will have, which I, I really appreciate and think it will be so interesting. So 
be forewarned though, fiends, this is by no means a how-to guide on how to like get away with murder. Nope. We're not doing that. <laughs> We're not telling you to do any of these things. John isn't using his plants for anything greater than like observation and education. Exactly. I need to make that very clear, <laughs> super crystal clear before we begin. Okay, cool. So let's let's start with a little Q&A. Now, Sweet. I think the thing that attracts me to poison and therefore poisoners is that it is so purposeful. Yes. Poisoning as, a, as an act. If you poison someone, it's not a crime of passion. It's not temporary insanity. It's not a fight that goes too far. It is so very calculated. Yeah. Right? Poison is quiet and discreet. And often whomever did the poisoning ends up being the one to call the damn cops as well. Yes. Which I think is always the most interesting part of the story. Yeah. Where it's like you then have to alert the authorities. Right. To like, what you've done. Oh, that takes imagine. A, <laughs> I can't, but it does take a certain kind of person, oh, right? absolutely. Okay, so that's, that's why I think it's so interesting. A poisoner is a planner, someone who has thought of every detail. Mm -hmm. And that's why we see this happen primarily from women. Right. And that's really how I got super into the topic to begin with, because I can't tell you how many times I've read the phrase, women are poisoners. Yeah. If you look up like female killers, which I definitely have. And <laughs> Just like a few times, right? Yeah. Like one or two. I'm on so many lists. <laughs> the world of true crime is going to come up with that phrase every time. Women are poisoners. Women poison. That's what they do. So I couldn't help but think to myself, why? Now, if you want that detailed explanation, go back to that first episode, because I really yes. go into the psychology of all of it. But what I have come to realize in years and years of reading about this topic is that basically when women want something done, they only want to do it once and they want it done right. Absolutely. And that meets all the criteria. Right. <laughs> so that's my journey with poison. But similarly, John, I want to know about yours. What got you interested in the topic? Was it the plants or the concept? Like what? So for me, it was mostly the plants. Yeah. Um, I would... I would be reading about different plants, especially with like different spiritual practices that I have. Yeah. And then I would just like wind up down the rabbit hole of the history, which I just find incredibly fascinating. For sure. And that's pretty. And then also a little bit you. You got me into poison. Aww. Yeah. I The first episode, Stop. I was like, oh my gosh, poison. <laughs> and yeah. So you and the history and the plants. I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. So... Likewise, a poison garden is not your average hobby. No, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Even among botanists, it is dangerous and delicate work. People are accidentally harmed by toxic plants all the time. In fact, most of us, when faced with a toxic plant in our yard, would look for ways to try and get rid of it. For sure. So, John, tell us, what made you decide to grow so many of them on purpose? <laughs> well, my fascination grew reading about all these plants. And mm -hmm. I it took me about two years with like dedicated like study of each plant and what I felt comfortable with having in a garden. Right. And I was like, well, I'm tired of reading about these plants. I want to see them up close. And yeah. I can't book a ticket to Anik Gardens over in the UK, which I'd love to do. Oh, yeah. Um, but I just don't have that money. So I said, I'll just make it in my backyard. And that's yeah. what I did. And now I have them to use in different practices of mine. And also I get to look at them, educate people and 
just like talk to them. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, those the plants that you have are things that most people never see in their whole life. Exactly. With the exception of a few like kind of common yeah, things. Some of them you... I picked in my backyard, but other ones <laughs> <laughs> I had to cultivate. Like the giant mountain of hemlock I had in my backyard. Yes. I had to dig it. My husband and I together as a team dug it out with a giant shovel. I remember the pictures. You sent them to the me. The crater is still there. It's a crater in my backyard. It I was so that. big. Yeah. But I mean, it's such so unique. Like I... Got, obviously came to your house and got to yeah. see it. And I just, I couldn't help but sit there and feel like, man, I've read so many stories mm-hmm. and you can only see so many illustrations. It's just so different to exactly. be in the same room. Right. It's super cool. So I think that's awesome. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so can you give us a list of everything that you have growing? I can. It is a little bit lengthy. No, we want to hear it. Some of them have perished in a storm. It's a storm. It was really just one of them. And we're going to talk about oh, that one. It was one. windy, right? It was very windy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So Poor my thing. list, not in any specific order, is Atropa belladonna or Deadly Nightshade, um, Mandrake Root or Mandragora autumnalis, Oleander, Foxglove. I have three different species of Datura or otherwise known as Devil's Trumpet, which is like, a, or Jimson Weed. Jimson Weed. That's yeah, the name that's I know. Exactly. Um, I have Brigmancia, which is Angel's Trumpet. God, that one's pretty. So beautiful. Holy cow. And the smell, they smell so good. Um, Poison Hemlock, your favorite. I hate her. (laughs) Get out of here. Get out of my yard. I have Black Henbane, Lily of the Valley, White Snake Root, Hellebore, Bittersweet Nightshade, Horse Nettle, uh, Poison Ivy, Bleeding Hearts, a Castor Bean Plant, and that is it. Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy. I hate her too. She's so pretty in the autumn now. Uh, I though. Whatever. <laughs> I I, uh, I walked into the greenhouse this morning and she was like all orange and like speckled and I was like, oh, what a beauty. You're gonna be so itchy. <laughs> Although uniquely, you yes. and I do not get itchy. Both of us are poison ivy. Let's be real. We are. <laughs> You're right. That's got to be some kind of weird spiritual yes, sign. Absolutely. I don't know. Hundred <laughs> percent. We're like, we, we're fine. We're friends. Yeah, See? Exactly. You know, my, the whole back of my yard is poison ivy. I have mm-hmm. been dealing with it for a while. And we're actually <laughs> going to talk about it a little more later. Yeah. Um, but wow, that's a lot. It is. Yeah. You have quite a few. Mm-hmm. My babies, my precious babies. <laughs> and I wonder, I think some people might recognize a few and then oh yeah, not a lot. Like I know Lily of the Valley is one that people may not actually realize is a poisonous plant. Absolutely. <laughs> it's in so many wedding bouquets and I'm just looking at them like, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, my by my mailbox in my front yard is like all Lily of the Valley. Yeah. That's, a, that's I okay. That. I deserve them. You do. You but, absolutely do. So what part of Lily of the Valley is dangerous? The whole plant. Really? Um, but mostly the roots. Okay. Well, um, so that's why we're okay. Yeah, that's why we're okay. <laughs> Although I know that when you touch your plant, um, your philodendron, it makes your tongue yeah, itchy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That happens to me with Lily of the Valley. Oh, really? So when I was handling it, um, even I just was like touching one of the leaves and I just got all like fuzzy in the mouth. That's but, weird. Yeah. There's yeah. 30 different um, cardiac glycosides in that. And when you soak them in water, when you put them in a vase, mm-hmm. that water becomes toxic. <laughs> just as toxic as the plant. Hey, maybe you guys don't put them in a vase. Yeah. Leave them outside. <laughs> They look great. Just admire them and sniff them because they right. smell beautiful. They do smell really good. Yeah. They have like a really sweet, that white yeah. floral smell. But that's the water part. That's wild. I know. Crazy. Nobody would probably think of that. That's right. So weddings are a very nerve-wracking situation. <laughs> <laughs> Bouquet's yes. all wet on the bottom. You're just like, just why like, is my oh, tongue gosh. itchy? Yeah. 
<laughs> That's so funny you say that. Yeah, I have a giant Hartley philodendron in my bathroom upstairs. Her name is Phyllis. She's such a bitch, whatever. Love um, I love her and I can't touch her or right. she makes my tongue itch and swell up <laughs> and my hands burn. So... But Lily of the Valley, I'm fine with. I weed around them and touch them all the time. That's so funny. I pulled them up, but nothing yeah, is ever... absolutely. Most people do, but... It's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. And I mean, I'm trying to think of anything else people might just recognize off the top of their head. Like foxgloves mm-hmm. are of a flower that you see in like... You see them a lot. Sleeping. And also in garden centers. This year at Lowe's, yeah. I, there was like hundreds of them. Are they related to hollyhocks? I don't believe so. Because they're similar, like, bell-shaped, There's tall. a chance they could, be, like, share a genus or some kind of, um, like, family there. I meant to look that up but before because, so. I mean, I would have to know. Right. Because <laughs> the other, the tree that I'm named after, well, that's not poison at all. Right. <laughs> I don't think you should eat it, to be very honest no, with you. I don't think you might should. might not be the best And snack. it's very prickly, but <laughs> yes. still. Oh, good. So if you guys know anything about hollyhocks, let me know. Yes. Maybe we'll look it up later if we're feeling frosty. For sure. So I know it's not nice to pick a favorite child, whatever, but um, we won't tell anyone any of the plants. They're not listening, I promise. Which one is your favorite and why? And you could pick a couple. That was a long list. I was going to say, I don't think I could just pick one, but there's three that really come to mind. Okay. Um, My first is my first love is Belladonna. Me too. She's just, to me, she's the queen of poisons and she's so beautiful. I'm so mad that someone called another poison the queen of poisons. No. John told me this and I got... Visibly angry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but Belladonna is just, it has to be number one. Um, yeah. She's everything. She's everything. good. She's bad. She's indifferent. She's pretty. She's every she's, woman. She's, got, <laughs> she's every woman. She Absolutely. Um, and then my next has to be my foxy babies, my fox gloves. They're beautiful. I love them. Mm-hmm. They really are beautiful. Um, and then my third is like a kind of a tie okay. between my Brigmancia and my Datura. Um, and they're related. They're cousins. Are they? They're both, yeah, they're both um, nightshades. Oh, they're, and they're all nightshades. They're all nightshades. And they're so closely related that Brigmancia um, used to be classified as Datura. Really? So, yeah, I love them. This, it's because I love things that smell good. You know, we talk yes. about perfume all the time. We sure do. <laughs> and um, it, they smell like magic. If magic had a scent, it would be that. And are they cultivated for perfume ever? Or? No, they're, there's like one perfume that had synthetic notes of them because you can't use them. Oh, I guess that's why, huh? Yeah. You'll die. Never <laughs> You'll mind. Die. <laughs> Just like pro tip, you guys, any Belladonna perfume does not have Belladonna no. in it. It doesn't. Belladonna smells like tomatoes. <laughs> it sure does. I do love fighting with people on the interwebs about that, though. I'm like, I'm sorry. This perfume called Belladonna does not have Belladonna in it. No. I'm so sorry. I don't care how purple it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a thing. <laughs> so those are like my little tie for my my number three. They're really pretty ones. They're so pretty. They are the prettiest. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. So, likewise, which of your plants is the most toxic? Oh. Um, or poisonous. Toxins and poisons are different, I right. guess. Right. Um, the most dangerous plant I have, the world would assume, would be my castor plant. Everybody likes to say that. Everybody likes to say it, but I literally... Not that anybody should do this, but I like kissed the leaves in a video and people lost their mind. But for the leaves, I don't I, think the no, leaves do anything. There is toxic compounds that exist throughout the whole plant. However, they're mostly inside the rock hard bean have, shell. Exactly. You'd have to like really munch on this plant for something bad to happen. You have to like drill into it. Yeah. <laughs> so it, relax, everyone. Okay. Um, but my my most dangerous plant is 100% um, my aconite or monk's hood or 
very well known as Wolfsbane. Ooh. Yeah, it's the mysterious mysterious gal, you know, and people say that she is the official queen of poison. I would like to um, write my senator about that. Same. <laughs> who do we talk to? <laughs> what? Who gets the complaint? I don't, I want to know. That's yeah. unacceptable. Yes. It's clearly Belladonna. Uh, are you kidding me? What is Look, wrong with people? I don't know. I think, I think that we both love her because she has so many purposes. Right. Belladonna. Right. She's so helpful, but also so dangerous. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So stay away from the Wolfsbane. Got stay away it. From, do not touch it. Just look. It's a look. Don't touch. I know we're going to talk more about that plant um, mm-hmm. when you get your turn to tell a story. Yes. I'm really excited about it. Um, is is it indigenous to our area at all? Should no, we look out for it? You probably won't find it. Um, there. Are, so it is cultivated for gardens. Okay. Because um, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful plant, especially when it blooms. Okay. Um. It looks a lot like delphinium and a lot like uh, larkspur, which okay. people find in like garden centers all the time. Yeah. Um, but it is a landscaping plant that people do use. Okay. And it can spread. So What a wild thing to do. I know. You just plant that like, it's and fine. People don't know. And what I found this year, which was really alarming, is mm-hmm. now that I have, I own these plants, right. I go to a garden center and I look at the labels mm-hmm. and they don't say that they are toxic or poisonous or anything. They don't? There were so many plants that I found this year that were not labeled as toxic to humans. Isn't don't isn't that wildly but they irresponsible? Say deer, listen, they said deer resistant, so I would just fun tip: if it says deer resistant, don't eat it, don't touch it, don't oh, do anything shit. like. Okay, but, yeah. yeah. Well, deers don't eat it for a reason. I they guess just no, they have that little you know thing in their brain. Oh, that's because they're wildlife. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Flora and fauna. They you know? get it. Exactly. Wow. I, God, I wouldn't even think. They don't label them? That's so strange. The only plant I found that was labeled was oleander. And it said it's poisonous. It literally said a big cross, skull and crossbones, poisonous. So I'm going to talk about oleander today, but that's so interesting because of the things that you have, it, it, you have to eat the most of it. Exactly. Exactly. That's so strange. Oh my gosh. Okay, well guys, make sure you look out. Know what Please. you're growing. Know what you're touching. Know what mm-hmm. you're licking. Just don't lick any plants. Right. Don't do it. Not hard. It's not hard. No. <laughs> I, I don't think it is. No. But some people do. So on that vein, have you ever had any like near misses? Have you gotten sick? Have you felt weird? Have you mm. been like, whoop? <laughs> <laughs> so just right off the bat, every time I have a headache or like a little stomach pain or something, I'm like, this is it. <laughs> this it's, is how I it's go. It's happened. <laughs> <laughs> and my family would be like, you're acting weird. And I'm like, it's just because I'm pretty sure I've poisoned myself. I have really never come close. It's just the poison madness. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, I've never been that close. Okay. Um, I will say when I started my poison garden, my very first plant was my hellebore. Okay. My beautiful hellebore. I love her. Um, she has like serrated leaves and I Ew. would just brush up against them and it felt like a little like Tickled, scratch. but I would just break out all up my arms every time I touched Hellebore. Interesting. So that was like, that's really the closest call. I have definitely been snacking on my like tomato, like my cherry tomatoes, like walking through my poison garden and I will put that down and I'm like, did I just eat a belladonna berry? But no, I've never actually come close to poisoning myself that bad. Belladonna berries are like the forbidden candy. They are just so, so shiny pretty. and so beautiful. And I'm I and I made ink with them not too really? long ago. Yes. And it like, have you ever like crushed a blackberry? Yeah. It smelled like that. Ooh. And I was like, 
Oh no. <laughs> the forbidden <laughs> the forbidden snacks. Oh not the forbidden snacks. Oh yeah. no. Yeah. yeah, I've read that they are compared in like smell to blueberries too. Yeah, very, have, very like, similar. Um, well, so they're they could be a perfume. I think so. The fruit could be. Yeah. It's not the flowers. They're not it. They don't they, no. smell good at all. <laughs> Which is like so sad because they look so They're cool. very pretty. They're beautiful. That's wild. Yeah, well, but I never, never poisoned myself. <laughs> that's good. A little rash here and there. A little rash here and there, yeah. Okay, you're going to be all right. <laughs> so be, because now we know you're safe, what precautions do you take? Yes. Because you are in like a house of danger. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I think the just being in a poison garden and like having this hobby, um, you have to approach everything with a little bit of like um, respectful fear. Yeah. You no, just, it's respect between me and the plants always. Fair. Um, and I know my plants really well now, so I know which ones I can touch and which ones I have to glove up. So I do have um, shoulder-length gloves. Wow. Just in case. It's really just like a precaution. They're um, like a heavy duty? Yes. They're very thick. Okay. They're giant. They look like murder gloves. They're giant blue. <laughs> Why wouldn't like, they? <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> they're giant and they're blue and they're thick. And um, I use that when I'm moving my wolfsbane. I use that Don't when touch I'm her. touching or when I'm doing anything with the poison hemlock. Do not go near that freaking hemlock. I know you hate her so much, but she loves you. Do you, I told you there are several reasons why I hate her. One, in my yard. Yeah. Two, when we did our episode on the Jersey Devil, mm-hmm. I learned that during lockdown, a lot of our lovely New Jersey residents were hiking through the Pine Barrens, which is a place that thrives in, in fear and fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's it. Seriously. And they would get home from their hike. And they would feel sick mm-hmm. and they would have like shortness of breath, pain in their chest, yep. a cough, a headache, a fever. And they'd be like, well, I'm going to die of COVID now because mm-hmm. it was like, you know, June of 2020. Right, and nobody right. knew anything. So they would go get COVID tested over and over and they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that when it is in bloom, yes. you can inhale the like p- pollen off mm-hmm. the hemlock and it looks just like COVID. Yep. <laughs> And it sure does. The flowers on a hemlock, if you don't know what you're looking at, yes. you're going to think it's Queen Anne's lace mm-hmm. or which is like a weed in New Jersey. Right. Grow, it's but wild it's the same, yeah. the same family. So yeah. they all look kind of like parsley. They mm-hmm. all they don't look threatening at all. No. And you're like sick right away. Yeah. Oh, it's fast. And if you yeah. brush up against it, it looks like you had acid yeah. thrown on your arm. It's a lot of times you'll find the sap on the um on the undersides of some of the stalks. Yeah, the purple and if you ones. Sna- yeah, the purple ones. And if you snap it, and you get that on you, it's all over. But it's like battery acid. It's it called, will eat through your skin. It's photo, being um, phototoxic. Yeah. So when That's you the- get that sap on your hands or on anything, um, every time you walk into the sun, you're going to blister like a vampire. That's that's some crazy shit. For seven years. That's some, like that. <laughs> yes. Why you have that? Get it out of there. She's so pretty. I hate her. No, I she's not. Her. I hate her. She looks like parsley. <laughs> get some parsley. I have parsley too, but my swallowtail... Uh, Butterflies are munching on that. Oh, they love that. They love it. Uh, hemlock is the only one you'll hear get a protest from me. I hate hemlock. <laughs> That's fair. There has to be one. There has to be also, one. Also, like, what? what is its purpose? What? It really, you know, it has a cool history. I love the history. Yeah, it does. The Hemlock Society does yeah. actually does kind of noble things, it's, too. Right. But... Um, yeah, there's no uses. No. No uses. Socrates <laughs> killed himself with it. It's he sure lot. did. Okay. He sure did. All right. So... <laughs> Do you ever have, are, are you ever scared? 
if you ever had a moment where you actually did feel quite nervous, I know you said when you get headaches or something, it gives yeah, you a moment's it's pause. It's just like anytime I feel like, if I wake up in the morning and I have like a stiff neck mm-hmm. or like if I am just like, oh, I don't feel good today or something. I'm like, yeah, I've poisoned myself. But I, I go through checklists in my head, especially if I have to do anything with my yeah. dangerous, dangerous plans. Yeah. Um, so I really do take precautions and it's hard. You don't always see it like through my TikTok videos or anything. Not. You're but, not going to see it there. Right. But they do happen. And I'm very like protective of my, my garden. I don't let people in who I don't know if they're going to like run around and try and eat things. Lick them. Yeah. yeah. Don't but do it. I, I've never been scared. It's just a really, it's a healthy fear that I have pretty much That's with good. all of my plants. Um, and I just like go in and say like, hey guys, I'm here to give you water and sustenance. Please don't kill me today. I was clearly a big fan. So yes. they were fine with me. They loved you. They talked about you for hours. <laughs> oh my God. What an honor. I did lay on the ground they and pretend that. that I got <laughs> murdered. <laughs> Great picture. It's pretty hard not to do it. Yes. Don't worry. You guys will see it. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of reactions have you gotten to this hobby? When you say to people in your life or people in the random world, I grow poison. How do they react to you? So in person, my favorite is people think I'm kidding. Uh, They're like, oh, yeah, that's funny. And I'm like, no, no, no. I have like 15 species of some of the most toxic plants on the face of the earth. (laughs) And then it's always the why and like who pissed you off. That's my favorite. Oh, yes. (gasps) that's an interesting reaction. And that's like probably the most, the one I get the most, like just like talking to people. Yeah. They say, oh, or I wouldn't want to piss you off or, you know. I don't want to eat at your house. Oh my God. (laughs) I I don't want to eat at your house. And John famously cooks. I do. I do. (laughs) That's the other thing John does is he bakes and cooks. I sure do. And grows poison. But I don't poison people. (laughs) I promise. I trust you. But yeah, that's one of the biggest reactions. And then a lot of of people just ask why. That's a big thing. I mean, that's that's fine. So fair. Yeah. Um, And then one of the weirdest reactions, um, and this is just because I feel like especially straight men are insecure. Well, fair. Um, they, I've gotten messages um, on TikTok specifically asking me to stop posting videos because they don't want me to give their girlfriends ideas. What are you doing and to your girlfriend? I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> you know what? What are you doing to your girlfriend? Maybe be nicer and she won't. Yeah, have she ideas. won't have to think about that. No. Yeah, So that's a very fair response. Yeah, that was the weird, I got like a bunch of those, especially really? in the beginning. Do you think they all thought they were clever? I guess. Okay. But I'm like, that was one too many messages. <laughs> and too many of these boys think they're going to get murdered. Right. Okay. And I'm like, what did you do? You, well. <laughs> that's not good. No. But interesting. I would never immediately go that route. I mean. That's what I'm saying. See, to me, and I guess it's because we're so much on the same page, it's, it's very similar to being in the room with an antique. Yes. You feel like, oh, I'm seeing history right now. Yes. And like the weirdest history, the kind that I like to read. So <laughs> right. it makes perfect sense. But wow. Yeah, I guess. And online, have you gotten any other like strange like uh, messages or reactions or requests? Has anyone been like, can I have that? Yes. Okay. Um, I've gotten plenty of messages asking me for seeds. Um, and then a lot of messages asking me, so like, what do you have to do to get this to work? Oh. And I'm like, mm, delete. <laughs> <laughs> you have to I'm like, sorry. go away. I don't have a lawyer, <laughs> no. so I don't want I don't want this question in my inbox. So seeds though, that's very interesting. Yeah. And I through that found poison communities. That who, was gonna be my next question. Oh, are yeah. there other people like you that yes. are 
Okay. And a lot of them, not really in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I don't find a lot of, it's a, a very much like a U.K. hobby. Okay. Um, which like, I feel like makes sense. It does, weirdly. I, I yeah, can't explain it. Neither can I, but. I get it. <laughs> glad we're on that wavelength. Yeah, we got it. <laughs> um, but there's like seed trades and there's Facebook communities that are like trading seeds. And even oh. I've recently traded because I wanted Detura Metal. Um, that's like that purple double Detura that's Ooh, like pretty. so gorgeous. Um, and I traded my Detura Anoxia seeds for Detura Metal seeds. So I'll have that next year. What a fun little hobby. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird sending highly toxic seeds to the UK, but... I'm sure it is. You know, it's fine. And you have to kind of have a certain level of blind trust. Yes. To just be yeah. like, I guess this is okay. Right. So how do you vet people for that kind of thing? You don't. And also, yeah. almost none of my plants are regulated. You... Really? Truly, they are all legal to have in these states. There's a couple gray areas um, in the middle of the country where, um, like, there's certain plants. Where, where they're killing people, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and those are restricted. And also, New Jersey recently restricted Datura. Really? That's weird because it grows it here. It grows everywhere. But And the legislation for that is bananas because they tell you that they're going to come and obliterate. It's not destroy or, like, remove. They will obliterate the Datura or the Stramonium because that's the, that's the only genus they know. So here's two funny things about that. One, in my old house, um, Jimson weed or like moonflower as the version right. that I saw was always mm -hmm. called. I was like, that pretty, I love it. <laughs> um, grew everywhere. Wild. Yeah. Just yeah. like in my gardens. And I would pull it out with my bare hands, which mm -hmm. I now think was probably stupid. You're fine. But it doesn't tell you anywhere not to do that. Right. Again, that's so wild. Yeah. And it's, but it is a beautiful plant. I just knew that it was a weed and that if my cat ate it, it would die. Exactly. So I pulled it out. <laughs> um, it's really funny because, yeah, that's like how they're going to regulate weeds. And two, yeah. I read something very similar. I have, my yard is, um, has a ton of sassafras trees. Okay. Yes. Yes. And they, they all come in on runners, which means you have like a bazillion saplings mm -hmm. and I'm pulling them out like nonstop. Yeah. And the fun thing about sassafras is it smells uh, like fruit loops. Yes. So when you pull it so out, you're like, because it's related to root beer. So I was like, this is cool. Maybe I could make root beer. Yeah. I have all of this sassafras. So I Googled it and it turns out that you also can make like GHB with it. Oh my goodness. And if they fly over my house and they see in the autumn a million lit up tiny little sassafras saplings because they're bright mm -hmm. orange in the autumn, yes. they will come and take me away because people grow it to make drugs. You know, I know a lot of things. I did not know this. Isn't that crazy? That is bananas. Yeah. I have so much of it that I like paranoidly pull it out <laughs> all summer. I'm like, oh, this like looking towards the skies with the drone like look I seriously have it in my hands. so if you see me like out there yanking it all forever like that's why because oh i'm afraid goodness. they're going to take me away i never knew that because i have so much right. that it would set off a red flag to be like growing mass quantities of it i didn't try no it's just the fact that i have two or three trees in my backyard that just yeah. grew runners everywhere so new jersey is, is isn't that weird yes true though well they they regulated the detura because the hallucinogenics Oh, that's it. right. You can uh, yeah. you can get really messed mm -hmm. up on that. Belladonna too. Belladonna oh, yeah. is a pretty crazy hallucinogen. Of course, if you're willing to dance with death. <laughs> a little tango. She's like, I can also make you feel weird. <laughs> She's every woman. I love her. Every woman. Perfect. But that is very interesting. Yeah. So, has anyone ever outwardly acted suspicious of your motives? Now, I know you kind of covered this. Do you ever think people aren't just being snarky? They really are looking at you like, what are you doing? I, it's hard to tell. I don't think so. I think most people who, most people know who I am. Right. You know, and uh, people love my baking. 
I sell it. <laughs> I like sell my baking. And it's I've, great. You guys I've, should buy it. <laughs> I've never poisoned anybody. Um, so I hope not. Um, I don't think that anybody really thinks I'm out murdering people, except for maybe my FBI agent on my phone who is like stalking my my search engine. Like, why are you looking at this today? If I haven't been taken away, you will be taken right. away. You've been, yes. For your search history? Oh my God. If I do anything, they're going to be like, look at all that sassafras and look at her search history. Yeah, but now Get we're together. Her out. <laughs> Sorry. The mastermind and the grower. I know I've done it. It's the worst. Well, that's good. Yeah. I just, you have to wonder, like, because people are terrible. I do wonder, <laughs> like, especially my TikTok audience. I'm yeah. like, ooh. Because that's like, you got a big TikTok audience. Yeah, out of nowhere. But I, it Well happened. served. You're very interesting and you do great things and you're a delight. <laughs> and we want you to have all of the success <laughs> in the world. But that is like a little slice of public. I mean, like, you have enough Absolutely. people that it's a wide blanket. Right. So I wondered if anyone was like, I seriously am afraid. I think you're doing, yeah. doing something. Not so far. And I try to shut it down because it does come up in the comments. But okay. I'm like, I grow this for education and my whole life is online. So if yeah. you're worried about that, you can check. That's fair. Yeah. So where do you get these plants, if not by trade? Okay. And why, why are people selling them? <laughs> well, some of my favorite plants I have foraged because they are wild in New Jersey. Yeah, we have a lot of So my deterrist harmonium, I found in a park. Um that was right out, right next to like a slide where the kids play. Great. And I said, oh, you're coming home with me. Yeah, I, I, I had that in my old backyard. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've gotten a couple of my plants just from the wild where they really shouldn't be. And I said, I have a perfect home for you. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's very nice. Um, but the other two places I usually buy my plants um, are Companion Plants, which is a nursery in Ohio that has Mostly native plants, but also some not-so-native plants. And they sell medicinal plants and pollinators and trees and shrubs. And they have, they're in their medicinal section. There are a ton of toxic plants. That's so interesting. And they're, the quality for, that they ship in is incredible. Like, they are such beautiful plants. I think that's really cool. <laughs> I'm a little suspicious. <laughs> yeah, but they're so nice. That's great. I talk to them all the time like, hey, I'm going to order something else. And they're like, perfect. I just wonder if those people are like, mm, I wonder where in the world these plants are going and what their destiny they is. They must. Because I also wonder, like, I know why I'm buying these plants. Right. But like, who else is buying Coney Immaculata? And why are they doing it? Right. Like I said, with hemlock, you said you bought your hemlock from them, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Which is silly because it's all over the place. <laughs> you know what's funny? I looked everywhere. Did you really? I, and I thought about, I was going to text you and be like, is there any less? Yes, there is. I find oh, is it in my really? yard all the time. So, but I just was like, you know what? I want a little bit of a, a established plant and I just got it from them. Hey, fair enough. And but, now it's like two feet tall. But it has no use, like no practical no. use. Mm -mm. There's nobody that wants hemlock for medicinal purposes. <laughs> no, it, no. I mean, like unless they are, I mean, unless we're talking about like assisted suicide. Right. Which I'm not against. I, no. I think if you're ill and that's what you need to do, whatever. But yeah. I wonder if that's why. Perhaps. So wild. I've never really, I never thought about it too much, but every now and then I am like, because well, hemlock is like gonna give you a, a fucking photosensitive rash for it's seven not, years. You don't want that. <laughs> no. Get out of here. Why are we? Um, and then the other place I buy seeds from, or buy seeds and plants, um, is from Strictly Medicinal Seed Company. Okay. And that's where I got my um, harder to find mandrake root. That's the very Harry Potter situation you got I going know. on. Love that. And nobody cares about it on TikTok. And I'm like, really? aren't you all Harry Potter fans? 
That's because you have to pull it out to see the bottom. Yeah, which I did once, and I really did wasn't you? sure if I was going to die. I was like, oh. <laughs> well, I might be dead. Tested. Okay. <laughs> That's yeah. wild. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's just just food for thought. Mm-hmm. And and to, to comfort everybody else, what do you what do you do with these plants? So, what are their byproducts? Because yes. they do cast things off. Yes. Um. One of my most like crazed obsessions with my garden mm-hmm. is um stopping the spread of these plants because of a lot of them are not native or they are frowned upon in the states. Sure. So um, I collect all of my seed pods from literally everything. If it's going to drop seeds, I have uh, little baggies that I put over the seed pods. Smart. That way they are safe. So this is like the byproduct thing. Yeah. They kind of, I, I make sure there's no Because everything, even like leaves, blossoms, of some yes. plants, every little bit of them. Oh, absolutely. You have to keep. Yeah. So I do wind up, I will probably like ground them up and I put them in a trash bag. I always have like a little bag of something that I'm throwing all the random carnage of things yeah, falling right. over in. I also use them in my spiritual practices because okay. as many of the people here know, I do practice a little witchcraft. So I never consume any of the plants. I never use them topically. I never use them for anything like that. All ceremonial purposes. Good. Um, and I, I also love the way they look in jars. They're beautiful. Gorgeous. Listen, <laughs> I mean, they are, they are like the prettiest of the plants. It's always the pretty ones. It really is always yeah, the pretty ones. It really it's is. like ugly little nothings are not going to kill you. Right. You can no. eat dandelions forever. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Put them in your wine. Put them in your tea. Put them in your salad. They're yes. good. Just just munch on them. They're not winning any beauty pageants. They're so good for you. They are really good. They're so good for you. <laughs> um, and That's then, what I mean, though. They're not as cute. Yeah, not as cute, but they are healthy. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And lastly, it's mainly, um, especially on TikTok, is for education. Um, sure. Again, a lot of people don't get to ever see these plants up close. So even through a video, um, you get to see them really close and you get to see from a safe distance all the things they can do and everything about them, their history, the folklore. Um, And I just love educating people about them. I think that the plants are so fascinating the way they work. And like, who doesn't want to see a belladonna berry? You can see your reflection in it. It's pretty impressive. I was like, maybe going to (laughs) weep. And now you're the proud owner of one. I know. John gave me one. She lives in my garage. Yeah. So I'm not irresponsible. I keep, this is fun. I was just telling John about this. Um. So in the daytime, when the children are at school, I bring her outside for sun. Yeah. I leave her on a little glass table where she can just bask in the glory of the outside world. <laughs> um, and I can see any leaves. And then when I, oh, I didn't take her in yet. I got to do that. When I take her in at night, I put her on a white table in my garage near a window. <laughs> and that way, anything that drops is visible on the white table so and I can smart. pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. You have to be so yes. cautious because I'm sitting there going, I don't know how John does it because I'm I'm like any drop, leave anything. I'm like, mm-hmm. I got to collect it. I got to make sure I'm responsible. Right. You can't just be out there willy nilly growing this stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can. Well, yes. It's not <laughs> not responsible. It's not a great idea, but I guess you can. And now um, I take some of the things that fall or my cuttings and I make jewelry with them. That's right, you guys. Yeah. Check out John's Etsy shop. It's so cool. <laughs> Thanks. I would like to. I would like to have a trade. I have lots <laughs> of old ones that are full of bones. Love. We that. can trade. We're gonna, we need a crafting day. We do obviously. need a crafting day. I'm excited. Yeah. Okay. Well, now that we know a little bit more about you and your beautiful garden, and that was so fascinating. Thank you for that. Thank you for asking. Oh my gosh. Um. Let's let's kind of get into the nitty gritty. So previously on the podcast, we talked about arsenic, cyanide, in a rep, belladonna, strychnine, uh, ricin, uh, a little bit about hemlock, and also we added in frog poison for good measure. Yes, you got to cover it all. Did not remember until I went back and was like, which ones have I already talked? Frogs. 
Mm-hmm. All right. We really got in there. That's fine. <laughs> That's a lot of the heavy hitters, though. And I didn't do a Belladonna case. Wild. That blows my mind. But you did cover um, Julia Tafana. Right, which is probably why I saved it. Yeah. This is that that wasn't Aqua Tafana, which if you guys haven't listened to our two-parter on it, it's my favorite thing I've ever done in my life. Also, no, no lie, my favorite episodes. Thank you. I love Obsessed. them. I I love this. That is my pet topic of all pet topics. Um, Amazing. But uh, Aquatofana is belladonna, arsenic, and like lead water sometimes. <laughs> so it's it's several things, right. right? So it's not just direct. But I didn't do a plain <laughs> belladonna case anyway. But you'd mentioned when I asked about your favorite plants nine hours ago when we started talking um, that foxglove is one of your favorites. Yes. And what's funny is that is one of the ones I had chosen but didn't really expand upon. So I thought maybe we could cover it together right now. Well, let's do it. Let's be a team. <laughs> so what can you tell me about foxglove? What, what is her, her real name, her government name, <laughs> if you will? On her driver's license, yes. it says Digitalis purpurea. I would have changed it too. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> so that is like the common variety and the most popular variety of foxglove. I have some interesting things to tell you about Ooh. the name. So this is a little wiki roundup, but I found it very interesting. Based on the German vernacular, <laughs> the name is based on the German vernacular for finger hut, <laughs> which translates to finger hat, which means thimble. Perfect. Why wouldn't it? That's that's a fair assessment Finger of the flowers. <laughs> Finger- mm, I gotta go. I know. It's my favorite thing I ever learned about a plant. If you don't know what a foxglove looks like, it is bell-shaped flowers. Yeah. So that you could slip them on your fingies if you wanted. <laughs> Ill-advised. Ill-advised. A hundred percent. You mentioned that before. Like if you did that and then you say rubbed your eye or ate a sandwich. Ate some finger foods or something. You're in like trouble. That. That's not good. Don't no. do it. The name is recorded in Old English as something that's close to foxglove, like it sounds like that. Right. So over time, folklore and mythology kind of ex- obscured the name a little bit, insinuating that foxes wore the flowers on their paws to silence their movements as they stealthily hunted their prey. I need a visual of that. Cute. It's so cute. Little flowers on their little fox Are paws. Are kidding me? Creeping along. Yeah, I love that. That is, that's a good one. But it also has more menacing nicknames. One of them is Witch's Glove. Not <laughs> Very small. Very yeah. small. Well, not if they're on your fingertips. Oh, that's true. <laughs> You're wearing them like bugles or raspberries or olives. was just yeah. going through my mind. Exactly. If you're doing that, then yes, that's what it yeah, looks totally. like. Fair enough. Uh, also interesting, Nicholas Culpepper included foxglove in his 1652 Herbal Medicine Guide. So that's probably one of the first formal appearances of it, though it's been around forever mm, and ever. Yeah. He cited its use for healing wounds, both fresh and old. Don't do that. That's not what it does. Nope. He said it was a purgative, which, yeah, it don't make, it don't make you throw up. Called uh, a, also a cure for the king's evil. Oh. Some sort of <laughs> cervical lymphatic disease. Okay. Great. Also said it cured the falling sickness, which is epilepsy. Doesn't cure that at all. No. And that it was a good cure for a scabby head. Can't confirm or deny. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. (laughs) Wow. There is no empirical evidence for these claims, and it is not used for these conditions in modern medicine. (laughs) This is a direct quotation. (laughs) Only for slowing excessive heart rate in certain circumstances and or strengthening heart muscle contraction in heart failure. So tell us what is in the foxglove. Sure that uh, will alter our state. Yes. So Foxglove is known for its cardiac glycosides. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a few of them. 
Some of them are called Dislanoside, Digitoxin, Digitalis Glycosides, um, and Digoxin. Yeah, and you those might, are the ones. when you hear some of those, you might hear about different heart medications, especially if you search them. Yeah, digitalis is heart medicine. Yeah, it's, it's a pill you take for heart yep. issues, for congestive heart failure, I think was one yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely a duality plant, you know. Yes. Real bad, real good. Which we like. We yes. like those the best. Um, but those are the glycosides, and they, cardiac glycosides affect your heart and right. your cardiovascular system. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have some really not fun symptoms, especially when you've been poisoned by them. Right. It says this will slow your heart rate. Yes. So that's why I guess it could have, I don't really know what a slow heart rate feels like, but sedative effects? You'll start to feel real sleepy. Right. um, And like no energy. So you'll lack energy. You also may become prone to fainting, which is, you know, real fun. Yeah. So, okay. So sedative effects would make sense for using it in like older medicine. Yes. Oh, for sure. That's Um, fair. Yeah. You get some low blood pressure, fainting, like you said, um, blurred vision, uh, depression even. It can cause you to start to think different things and kind of alter your brain chemistry a little bit. Fair enough. Um, Hallucinations. Fun. Super exciting. Who doesn't like that? Um, One of my favorite things that it does is it causes a halo effect in your eyes. So if you, um, somebody who I know online uh, brought the plant into their house. And put it in front of a fan, like a box fan. And um, it was blowing all of that toxic pollen around yep. the house. Of course. Why wouldn't and it? And she realized something was wrong when she was looking around to, like towards brighter things like the windows. And she was getting a yellow halo around <gasps> her eyes. She could see like just yellow rings. And she was like, what's happening to me? Oh, my God. And she was being poisoned by Dijalis. By the foxglove. Yeah. So um, an interesting link to that is that it has been suggested that Digitalis played a role in the illness of Vincent van Gogh. Oh. Yeah. They say that his use of yellow color swirls was generated by his memory of toxic visual symptoms. Uh, They also say that there are several paintings of him where his pupils are two different sizes. Oh, it'll do that. Yeah. So they have that. Um, Also, there's a painting, sorry, two paintings of van Gogh's doctor who is either holding or sitting near a table with foxglove flowers on it. That's so interesting. Or at least flowers that look like foxglove. The right. leaves are a little wrong, but they, that's what people yeah. think. So I think, I thought that was fascinating. That is fascinating. And there is some evidence that he took digitalis to control epilepsy. I did not know that he had seizures, right. but um, that was one of its yeah, earlier uses. I guess so. Um and I just, I found that to be very interesting because it was in medicine of his time. So it would right. could have been something he was given and that played a huge part in the beautiful artwork we see. Wild. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> there is no, we can't confirm or deny that one. Right. But it is a widely yes. suspected rumor. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a good one. And the reason that I wanted to cover Foxglove is because of the story that goes with it. So I'm just going to read this article because it's it bears reading. And the article is called, Poison Hath Been This Italian Mummy's Untimely End. 10 out of 10. Already uh, isn't incredible. Isn't it great? I know. I can't do any better. Um, this article is by Helen Thompson. It's in the Smithsonian Magazine, so we know it's mm. legit. And she published it in January, uh, January 14th of 2015. It says, quote, Italian warlord Congra della Scala, I might be butchering that, was at his peak when he marched into the city of Treviso as conqueror and ruler of a newly unified northern Italy in 1329. 
Four days later, he died at the ripe old age of 38. Sad for him. Yeah. Chronicles of the day suggested that he made the mistake of drinking from a polluted spring and fell violently ill, which is how a lot of people got sick back then. Right. Makes sense. But the sudden circumstances of his death also inspired rumors of more nefarious forces at play. Now, analysis of Kangrad's mummy backs up the theory that he was the victim of foxglove poisoning. Fascinating. I know. <laughs> While it's impossible to know for sure if Kangrad was murdered, the researchers examining his remains certainly suspect foul play. Kangrad was the most famous member of the Sicilian dynasty, which ruled Verona, Italy, for 90 years. He took the throne of Verona in 1311 at just 20 years old. Kangrad gained a reputation as a warrior and a political leader, waging a campaign to gain control of Italy's northern cities that culminated in the win at Treviso. Intrigue, military conflict, and betrayal marked his rise to power. Ooh. Ooh. Right? <laughs> Kangrad was also a leading patron of the poet Dante Alighieri of okay. Inferno fame. Yes. So he was a pretty cool guy. <laughs> Historical chroniclers are divided on the circumstances of the warlord's death. The late 14th century historian Galazzo Guattari speculated that someone had poisoned Kangrad and 15th century scholar Tereo Serena, Serena? Either way, went so far as to claim that a poisoned fruit had been the murder weapon. But Florentine scholar Giovanni Villani attributes Kangrad's death to overeating after the battle for Treviso. <laughs> rude. Rude. So rude. <laughs> And though some modern scholars dismiss the polluted spring story, Kangrad's symptoms, nausea, diarrhea, and fever, sound a lot like a case of dysentery. Yeah. True. In 1923, archaeologists explored the warlord's tomb and discovered that due to the dry environment inside, his corpse had naturally mummified. Ooh. Yeah, so they opened it up and they were like, whoa, you're still there. <laughs> oh, mummy. Yeah, that's not, I thought it was going to be a pile of bones. Right. Nope, it's a full guy. <laughs> Woo, can you imagine? That'd be terrifying. Oh my gosh, no. You don't expect a mummy there. You really right. don't. You really don't. <laughs> <laughs> Decades later, the city of Verona and the Castelvecchio Museum approached Gino Fornachari, a forensic pathologist at the University of Pisa, to see if modern scientific methods could provide new clues on this old cold case. That's wild that they could do that. Right. Science. Crazy to me. I know. Congrats mummy was exhumed in 2004 and... Fornachari's team got to work performing a modern autopsy on a 500-year-old mummy. Can you well, imagine? No. That's a bit tricky, they say. It is very different because the mummy is totally dry and without blood and fluids. So I think of it as like um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation when they cut the turkey and it's like... <laughs> <laughs> Dusty. I'm the worst. I'm obsessed with that visual. That's what I think. Anyway... Uh, his team took CT scans and x-rays of the mummy's abdomen and torso, cutting a hole in the abdomen. They also took tissue samples from the mummy's intestines and liver, which were still there. What? I know. And even found preserved fecal matter in his bowels. Mm. That's the oldest <laughs> poo. Gross. Oh, there's a picture. I'll put it up. Don't worry. <laughs> wow. It's nuts. Wow. Okay. Initial analysis showed that those fecal samples contained pollen grains from a digitalis plant. I can't. <laughs> My mind is blown. I know. What? Commonly known as foxglove. Further screening of the liver and stool samples revealed toxic concentrations of digitoxin and digoxin, two chemical compounds produced by the digitalis plant. Given that these compounds would have degraded over time, it's safe to say that Kangrad had lethal levels in his system when he died, the team reported in December. 
What? How, how many thousand years later? So many. This is the 1300s. <laughs> wow. Somebody really did not like this guy. I know. Wow. They said, here, eat a field of digital. So pellets. much. He ate so much of it. Just only that for days. Oh, my, <laughs> oh my God. Why am I eating these flowers? Just keep going. I feel so terrible. I, I know. Which also, like, point of order, wouldn't you get sick before you could eat that much? First off, for a couple hours, you sh- he should have been dead. Wow. That's so banana. Well, he's a warlord. He's tough. I guess so. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, boy. <laughs> While wow. doctors today commonly prescribe safe do- dosages of digoxin and digitoxin as heart stimulants, scientists didn't discern the heart-healing properties of foxglove plants until the 18th century. But there is another possibility for medical use gone awry. Some healers in Congrad's time may have used the plant to treat snake bites. And chamomile and black mulberry, which were used for minor ailments, were also found in the mummy's tissues and feces. In addition, an account from a 14th century jurist and historian says that one of Congrad's physicians was hanged at the gallows soon after the warlord's death. Was he being punished for administering the wrong dose of medicine? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> that is unlikely. Mordecai and his <laughs> colleagues argue healers at the time would have used digitalis in ointments, not potions. Right. And pollen in the poop suggests that the flowers and leaves of the plant must have been ingested. So he must have eaten the whole damn thing. Yeah. Wow. The <laughs> symptoms match up too. Foxglove poisoning causes vomiting and diarrhea that can last for one to three days. Prior to the Renaissance, references to digitalis as a poison are few and far between. So the new paper may represent the first hard evidence of digitalis actually killing someone during this time period. Quote, I think that their argument is sound, and I also find it plausible that the administration was accidental, says a forensic pathologist at the University of Copenhagen, who performed a similar study to see if famed German astronomer Tycho Brahe was a victim of mercury poison. Woo, Tycho Brahe's a good story. Yes. We'll do it another time. Anyway. If it truly was a murder, the big question is who could have committed the dirty deed? Congrad left plenty of potential suspects behind, but Fornichari's money is on suspects from the Venetian Republic or the Duchy of Milan. Huh. All right. Fascinating. Congrad became too powerful and too dangerous for both, he says. Mm. Unfortunately, Congrad and whoever may have killed him likely took that truth to the grave. Ooh. Isn't that a nuts story? That is so cool. <laughs> hundreds of years later, not thousands as we suspected, but hundreds. Oh, I was like automatically thousands. <laughs> it's a lot. It's fine. Still, yeah. that's, wow. I, uh, that blew me away, that story. That I had, so cool. I needed to share it. What a find. I know, I thought that was so wild. So, all right, that's our Fox Love story. Now, because we have covered so many of the big names already, we get to dip our toe into the slightly more antiquated and obscure, yeah, which are two of my favorite words. So another uh, substance I chose this week was oleander. Mm. Yours are very pretty. Thanks. Yes. Oleander, also called nerium, which is way prettier. Why don't we use that one? Weirdly, it is used in uh, cosmetics that uh, nerium is called nerium. It's called nerium in all of the um, documents on it, too. Right. Any kind of actual scientific document, it's mm-hmm. not called oleander. No. Why do we call it that? Because it's way better than nerium, I think. I like nerium better. It's like pretty and it flows, but like oleander's like, mm. Is there like a, like a Mr. Oleander out there that was like, this will be me? Hello, that, it's me, Mr. Oleander. Is that a thing? I don't know. Anyway. So 
oleander or nerium, whatever you want to call it. I use both just for the sake yeah. of both. Um, is an ornamental flowering shrub. It looks kind of like an azalea. Mm-hmm. It's bushy, has little thin branches and like yes. pretty little flowers. Yeah. It's a pretty plant. Nerium grows to be about two to six meters or seven to 20 feet tall. So it can be pretty big. I've never seen it mm-hmm. huge like that, but it's also like yeah, azalea size. Yeah. It's like a little shrubby bush. It's pretty. It can be trained into a little tree with a single trunk. Yes. That's so what mine cute. looks yeah, like. Yours yeah, yours does look like that. <laughs> sometimes it looks like a bush. Sometimes it looks like a tr- like a tree. It is tolerant to both drought and inundation. So it's it really will live anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not tolerant to prolonged frost, though. So no. Don't freeze it. No, mine don't came inside. It. Oh, it's going to have to, yeah. yeah. Comes in white, pink, or red, five-lobed flowers. It grows in clusters all year round, uh, peaking during the summer. The fruit is a long, narrow pair of follicles, which splits open at maturity to release numerous downy seeds. Mm-hmm. So little fluffy seeds like dandelions, yes. not berries. Nerium is seen frequently in Mediterranean regions, but is also grown in lots of other places around the world too, including the United States. Mm -hmm. On the East Coast of the United States, it grows as far north as Virginia Beach, while in California and Texas, miles of oleander shrubs are planted on median strips. There are an estimated 25 million oleanders planted along the highways and roadsides throughout the state of California. Wow. It's everywhere. The people in California hate it. Do they really? They literally complained about on horticulture TikTok. Really? That's so stupid. I love that's a really niche place to be. I know. Okay. They're like, there's people who like go out and cut it down because they're so tired of it. Why don't they like it? Because it's like an invasive and it just like tears up the ecosystem. So here's an interesting little nugget about that then. Because of its durability, oleander was planted prolifically on Galveston Island in Texas after the disastrous hurricane of 1900. And it is still very popular there. They have like a festival. I know. They do all kinds of stuff. They love it there. It's fine there. (laughs) Maybe California doesn't know that it's like protecting it from hurricane erosion or something. I have no idea. Keeping California on on the country with all their things. Right? It's it's hanging on by oleander. (laughs) That little thread. But it's funny because when you look at the Galveston Island stuff, they just leave out the poison stuff. Uh, They're like, it's so pretty. They don't talk flowers. No bad things. <laughs> Only good things. <laughs> but the same cannot be said for the popularity of Nerium in other countries, though. So here's our little wiki roundup on the history of Oleander. Oleander has a history of cultivation going back millennia. So this one's been around really long, mm-hmm. like forever. Especially amongst the great ancient civilizations of the Mediterranean basin, some scholars think that uh, a flower called the Rose of Jericho, which is mentioned in apocryphal writings and like biblical stuff, dates all the way back to 450 and 180 BC, mm-hmm. is actually referring to the oleander. I've heard that. Isn't that great? Yeah. The ancient Greeks had several names for the plant, including Radath. Greek is not a language that I am proficient in pronunciation. That is fair. <laughs> it is very hard. <laughs> They call it a few other things. And it looks like, and one of them is rhododendron. Are they related? They're, I don't believe so. I could they be They look kind of similar. They have a very similar structure. Yeah. And they, I believe they both carry a neurotoxin. So Rhododendron does? Yes. Grianotoxin is crazy. I did not know. What does it do? Oh, it, I'm pretty sure it attacks um, the brain. And like, it'll, and oh, also smooth muscle. It's a neurotoxin. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And it, um, terrible. It just like, it's also responsible for mad honey. Have you ever heard of mad honey? No. Guys, we're all learning <laughs> together. So um, in South America specifically, okay. um, there are people who go up these mountains to get to beehives that are like literally hanging off of cliffs because those bees feed on the nectar of uh, rhododendron. Okay. 
and it has hallucinogenic properties. And it also, um, in small doses, it makes you feel euphoric, but otherwise it's just going to kill you. That's true. And people are just like eating the honey and they're like, isn't this great? And oh it's my like God. people seek after. It's called Mad Honey. So if anybody's interested, that's look such that a good up. band name. Mad Honey. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, me too. But I think that there, there maybe there's a link there, or maybe it's just a similar kind of toxin. So I, I'm trying to kind of give us a real quick Google on it. It says serious poisoning is unlikely, but it's also related to the azalea. So they all are. Oh, so they're related. They are all family. Absolutely. I th- I don't know if it's related to the oleander, but they are like that's funny that that's just the image that I came up with to mm-hmm. have people be able to see what it looks yeah. like, and they are similar. Um, rhododendron plants contain toxic substances called what you just said that are harmful if eaten. Most yeah. poisonings occur when people eat honey. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yep. I wonder how that was discovered. It had to be hundreds of years ago. It and they were like, be. oh, this honey is magic. That's, yeah, uh, yeah. I it makes me feel weird. People love that. Yes. I mean, wow. There's videos on YouTube of people like making pilgrimages to go and like hike up these mountains, like on like, like the belay lines and stuff like that. And like, cutting off pieces of the hive and eating it. Listen, people go into the Amazon to do ayahuasca too. We're not going to talk about it. True, so true. <laughs> They're on their journey. Couldn't be me, but yeah, also me neither. Life. It's It is what it is. But that's very interesting because rhododendron and stuff, like a lot of us just have in our backyard. Oh my, I had yes, no idea. In New Jersey, you could find like 20 foot rhododendrons. My parents have one that's that big. They're it's incredible. Huge. They're really beautiful yeah. plants, but like, are, is that the kind of situation where we're also going to like bring it in our house in a vase and die? Because I definitely have had full vases of it in my home. No, you'll be fine but you will like there um have you ever been like have you ever touched them yes and they they're really sticky yes they're super sticky that sap is carrying the guiana toxin yeah (laughs) good 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 i'm glad i touched them all luckily i don't believe you can be it can be absorbed through the skin does bayberry do that to you too because my bayberry gets sticky and i touch it all the time i don't know i don't think bayberry is toxic thank god but i could be wrong (laughs) i don't know everything guys i'm (laughs) hanging on by a thread myself Oh, Lord. Well, that was an interesting tangent. Holy mm-hmm. cow. So back to the Greeks and back to Oleander. Um, so in ancient Greek literature, you guys might be familiar with your myths with the Oracle of Delphi, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So there are theories that the substance that the Oracle used to have visions was Oleander. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. They, they say that she smoked it mm-hmm. or... Um, I think would eat it too. There's there's different versions. There's a lot of versions of the story. Um, but the generic term uh, laurel was used. Yes, Because that that's I what knew. they called it. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't laurel. So, <laughs> But I definitely have like laurel in my <laughs> right. Maybe that's the sticky stuff that's killing me. Great. Great, 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 great. <laughs> so I thought that was very interesting. It has ties um, that go back really, really far. In his book, Inquiries into Plants of Circa 300 B.C., Theophrastus described uh, among plants that affect the mind a shrub he called Onotherus, which modern editors render into oleander as, quote, the root of Onotherus administered in wine, he says, will make the temper gentler and more cheerful. Oh. It will not. (laughs) No, I don't think so. Theophrastus, that's just the wine. Oleander doesn't do you a whole lot of good to make you cheerful unless you really like to aggressively vomit. And then, <laughs> sure, then maybe it does. Anerium uh, contains several toxic compounds and it has historically been considered as a poisonous plant. However, its bitterness renders it unpalatable to humans and most animals. So poisoning cases are rare and the general risk for human mortality is very low. 
Uh, and we've heard that before. Most poisons don't taste good. Nope. They just don't. And that's for a reason. They don't want to be eaten. No, it's we, a defense mechanism. We can't take a hint. Right. We're like, no. we're going to eat it anyway. We're going to, I'm going to eat it. I really want to eat it. And we're like, I nope. know. Definitely going to eat it. It's so good. No. But it does take a lot, relatively speaking, of this plant to kill somebody. But it does happen. Yeah. The toxicity in oleander is very similar to digoxin, actually, what we just talked about in foxglove. Um, and it comes in certain heart medications. So what it will do is give you some gross stuff like nausea, vomiting, excess salivation, abdominal pain, bloody diarrhea, and a regular <laughs> heart rhythm. And that last part, that's the one that's going to kill you. Yep. Oleander, along with foxglove, lily of the valley, and a couple others will mimic a heart attack quite nicely. So nicely, in fact, that if it isn't tested for, medical professionals will not detect a difference. They won't know it was foul play. Wild. Yeah, it's the perfect crime. Yeah. Not that that's a compliment. It's just a, <laughs> no. just a descriptor. But another fun fact about digoxin uh, or oleander poisoning, for that matter, is that one of the most effective remedies for it is atropine. Oh. From our friend Belladonna. Every woman. Because she's out there helping. <laughs> We love her. Love unless that. unless she wants to fuck you up and then oh, she will. It's, it's your time then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and atropine is a substance that is only found in nightshades, uh, deadly nightshades at that, like jimson weed, belladonna, mm -hmm. and mandrake root. Yeah. So very interesting that one can discount the other. Yes. Oh, and FYI, prolonged contact with oleander sap may cause skin irritation, eye inflammation, and dermatitis. So wear mm -hmm. your gloves. Please. Yes. Thank yes. you. Okay. Now, because it doesn't taste good and it doesn't have berries, which is usually the forbidden snack part of poison, right. <laughs> it's not really the cause for a lot of accidental casualties. They do happen, though. Mm -hmm. People have definitely been like, I ate a lot of it. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Or people are like, well, I made tea with it. I thought mm -hmm. it would be good. Or s'mores. It doesn't, oh, that's right. Yeah. You had an interesting story about... Yeah, there was. A, I'm pretty sure it was a group of... Um, what is it? What are they called? Uh... Campers, Boy Scouts? Boy Scouts. That's it. A group of Boy Scouts in like California or something mm -hmm. uh, used the twigs to roast marshmallows and they all got sick. You're Scouts. Aren't you? Like, isn't there a class or like a badge no. that you're supposed to get? At the very least, aren't you well-versed enough in camping to check? Yeah. I guess not. Anyway. <laughs> so it's not enormously popular as a poison, but that doesn't mean it has retired to a life of hurricane-resistant landscaping only. Oleander, for a brief, brief period of time, carried a little bit of a celebrity punch just because of the novel and subsequent film White Oleander. Oh, yes. Right, which is really about a complicated mother-daughter relationship, but it guest stars a woman killing her husband with the titular substance. <laughs> but there is another story that I find a hundred thousand times more interesting, and the craziest part about that is that it's true. Ooh, do tell. Yes, well, okay. <laughs> David Wayne Sconce is not the most honorable guy. He was born into a well-established Southern California family in 1957 and spent his childhood unremarkably. It's not a dig. It just means he didn't do anything of note. Yeah. As he got older, David decided that he wanted to play college football just like his dad, but that didn't work out for him, the football or the college. Oh, no. Yeah. In 1974, he did spend a brief time at Azusa Pacific College near his home in Southern California. That's a religious school, if you haven't oh, heard of it. okay. I hadn't. And uh, his dad worked there, coincidentally coaching the football team. Hmm. Wonder how he got into that one. Yeah. But it only lasted a brief period of time before David dropped out and came back home to live with his folks. David didn't love working, so this arrangement wasn't awful. But he did love money, so he figured that he had to make a little of it somehow. 
he was strong enough to play football, so maybe he could be a cop? Oh. Maybe. Yeah. No, he could not. No. Because he was colorblind. Oh. Yeah, that's why not. Turns out cops need to see colors, so. I guess. That didn't work out for him either. <laughs> Luckily, as I alluded before, the Sconces owned a thriving family business called the Lamb Family Funeral Home in Pasadena. I urge you to Google that as we're talking about it so you can get an oh, okay. image of it in your head. Yeah, the Lamb is a lovely but also terrifying Spanish revival building. And if this was my funeral home, I would run fast. <laughs> it, it looks very scary to me. Go oh, ahead. I'm you so can look excited. it up. It's called the Lamb Family Funeral Home. With its gleaming white ex- exterior and clay tile roof, it is deceptively attired for a place that houses the dead. David's family urged him to enter the family business, however, and sent him to school for embalming, which is not the cheeriest occupation, but it's an honest and necessary one, and it does the sconces well and had since 1924, when his great-great-grandfather started the business of the terrifying architecture fame. So, David went to mortician school, and this time he did finish. Um, And now, I'm not 100% sure in the 70s whether embalming was something you needed a full-on degree for or a certificate. I think it's a certificate. Probably a certificate. But he decided he didn't want to do embalming anyway. He wanted to go into cremation. Oh. Yeah. Here's why. You see, there wasn't a lot of money. You see it? I just saw your face. It's scary, right? It's haunting. Yeah. Oh, my. And haunted. Oh, of course. Because it's still there. Road trip. I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) You see, there's a lot more money in burning the dead than preserving it, and it requires a lot less artistry and science, not to mention far fewer supplies. The other thing about cremation is a lot of times funeral homes do not have the the tools necessary to do it, so they outsource Mm -hmm. it. They'll send send their people somewhere else. They'll have them cremated. The remains will be sent back. So Mm -hmm. you can just cremate people. That's your whole job. You don't even have to talk to anybody. That's what you do. So that's what he decided to do. And David opened his own business called Coastal Cremations. Very convenient when your family has a funeral home. You have immediate income already, right? But David knew that the standard business model for a crematory was slow and he didn't have time for slow. But he did have an idea. What he would do was charge half the usual price for his cremations. So that would make him the biggest name in the business. Oh. And everybody would want to choose him because half the price. But how does that work, right? How does he stay afloat? Yeah. Does it make any sense? Well, that's easy. He just burned them all together. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can do like 18 at once. Oh, my. In fa- exactly 18. In fact, is the most you can put in a crematory oven. Like all in this? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Then we just give every urn a couple scoops. Was it the right person? Odds are a little of it was. Mm-hmm. I am flabbergasted. You can be one thing, be efficient. I mean, I guess. Oh, God. <laughs> According to Cracked magazine, before Cracked was taken over and became a meme factory, <laughs> I loved Cracked. I loved original Cracked. Yeah. I mourn its loss daily. <laughs> Quote, by 1985, coastal cremations was burning over 8,000 bodies a year. That's so many. <laughs> They only had two furnaces at their location in Altadena, and those ovens were running upwards of 18 hours a day. We'll spare you from doing the math. They were, for lack of a better term, working in bulk. (laughs) Sconce's employees were cremating anywhere from 5 to 18 bodies at a time, and that is per furnace. They would then dump all of the ashes together in huge barrels. When it came time to collect the ashes for families, employees were instructed to collect 3.5 to 5 pounds for female remains and 5 to 7 pounds for male. Oh, my goodness. I know. And just when things were going so grossly well for David Sconce, he hit a bump in the road. On November 23rd, 1986, the crematorium caught fire 
after two employees tried to break the company record by putting 19 bodies in each furnace. That fact comes from Cracked's article. I can't find it anywhere else, but I believe it. You're just like, what are we going to do today, Tom? We're going to just add another one. Yep. Oh, yeah. my God. Mm-hmm. It is believed that the fire was a result of the bodies being packed in there so tightly that it clogged the chimney. They have fun, right? No, not right. But David was not to be deterred. Instead of getting out of the mass cremation business, he set up a new crematorium about 70 miles away in a warehouse in Hesperia, California. Great name for a town. But proper crematory ovens are expensive and kind of inefficient for his taste. And David liked to make money, not spend it. So he found a workaround. What other business requires huge ovens? Ceramics, of course. Oh, thank God, because my first, my brain went straight to bakery. No, "No." they're too small. Are you kidding? No. Very true, very true. Ceramics. And those ovens are a lot bigger. But he had to operate the new business under the license of a ceramics factory because that is the only excuse for the kilns that he bought. They're kilns, too. They're huge. Oh. Yeah, and diesel run. This is bonkers. Yeah, it is. But one man's shoddy cover-up is another man's shoddier cover-up. I don't know. David claimed that his business was using the ovens to make heat shield tiles for the space shuttle. That is a very specific cover-up. True, but the only thing that something like that could realistically produce. True. David operated out of the ceramics factory for two months until December of 1986 when the neighbors began to complain about foul-smelling smoke emanating from his establishment. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it would be. Yeah. Now, law enforcement can ignore a lot, but they would do well to leave Holocaust survivors alone. What do I mean? These are direct quotes in a lot of publications. So there is no fudging here. One man who called in to report the smoke was told by authorities that the smoke might smell bad, but it's the byproduct of a ceramics factory. And his response was, don't tell me I don't know what burning bodies smell like. I was at the ovens at Auschwitz. Holy. Yeah. So you go investigate that. Yeah. You you don't like, you don't ignore that guy. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? Ha, if I heard I, that statement, I'd be like, I'm so sorry. Oh, no. I'd be like, I'm literally on my way. I Can I bring you something? Like, do you right. want lunch? I Lunch is not enough. I'm sorry. Uh, I know. My mouth is literally open. Me too. I, and I've read that in like eight different sightings of this. So it's it had oh to have happened. God. Yeah, uh, it's of course. It's crazy you that that happened. Like that. No, you no, can't. No. So they go to investigate. Yeah. Like one must. And boy, oh boy, did that fire chief get more than he planned for. According to the Whittier Daily News, quote, Oscar's Ceramics on Darwin Road in Hesperia, a plant that purportedly was making ceramic panels for space stations, was instead a secret crematorium. Investigators found two large kilns, each more than half filled with the burning bodies of human beings. Human bones and ashes partially filled eight 55-gallon garbage cans. The thick Dark liquid of human body fats and oils covered the floor, running out the back door to a makeshift pit. The Pasadena Crematorium, located in Mountain View Cemetery in Altadena. The Altadena Crematorium was gutted by fire on November 23, 1986, yet the cremations credited to the facility continued. David Sconce was operating an unlicensed crematorium. I... Grammatically, that's not great, but it's a direct quote from the newspaper, so there's nothing I can do. I'm still stuck on the 55-gallon, was it bags? Oh, and and the pit outside for runoff? Oh, I, oh my God. Pit? Of human 
oils and fat. (laughs) No. Hard pass. I know. But David Scons is not a one note villain. No, 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 no. He's a complex lasagna of badness. Also, great band name. Great band name. Complex lasagna of badness. Upon investigation, after uh, a fucking Holocaust survivor called him in, police discovered a lot more about David Scons. For starters, he also owned a, quote, tissue donation company, because of course he did, which was really just an elaborate front for a Birkenhair-style medical grave robbing business where he was selling parts. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He also made quite a bit of pocket money selling gold. Where is he getting gold? Oh, no. Yeah, it's 1986, and a lot of older and richer people still had gold fillings or whole gold mm-hmm. teeth, so he would pull them out and sell them. Oh. And if people worked overtime in his crematory, he told them that they could keep the gold teeth they found. No. Yes. Ew. I know. And they did it. Of course they did. Oh, God. And you'd think with all of his shady nonsense, he'd easily be the most prolific cremator in the game, right? But no. Alas, not entirely. David still had rivals. But also, oh. also, he had a legion of ex-football players that he paid to take care of them. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. This just gets wilder and wilder. Yes, it does. And this worked in some cases. Most cases, really, like a goon squad coming to beat you up, it's going to work. But it didn't work in all cases. Rival crematory owner and, like, historic-level bitch, Timothy Walters of the Alpha Cremation Society in Burbank. Alpha Cremation! Get out of (laughs) here! Knew all of David Sconce's dirty little secrets. You see, he found them all out from a whisper-down-the-lane mortician scenario where they were all telling him their secrets. Historic bitch. Right. Right. He knew David's business was burning multiple bodies at once, and he was planning on shutting him down. And I think he was planning on a little blackmail, possibly, but there's no confirmation. But before he could do so, Timothy Walters was assaulted in his office by several large men and hospitalized. And they almost killed him. But they didn't. Hmm. Yeah. David Sconce was arrested for the assault, to which he pled guilty, but didn't serve time. Two months later, however, Timothy Walters was found dead in his parents' home. According to the medical examiner, it was a heart attack. Oh. Timothy Walters was 24. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Such a shame. Such a, What yeah. a strange shame. After the whole discovering a ceramics factory worth of human remains incident, David was sentenced to five years of jail time. I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, the judge that put him away said, like a quote was like, I'm going to find the other things you've done and I'm going to put you away for life. Yeah, okay. the judge was so incensed by it. And the, by the letter of the law, that's what he could sentence him to. Yeah. And he was like, I'm going to fucking find you again. And you're going to be gone. Incredible. And he was. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So investigators were pretty sure they weren't done with him, too. They're like, there's more to this. Yeah. After his reign of terror ended, witnesses to his other dubious behavior began to crawl out of the woodwork. And one woman claimed she saw David slip something into Timothy Walter's drink at a nearby restaurant. Oh. But he died of a heart attack, didn't he? Hmm. The medical examiner said so themselves. Mm, better be sure just in this case, I think. Yeah. So the Los Angeles authorities, um, their interest had been piqued. What looks like a heart attack but isn't a heart attack? Poison, as we have said. Right. And only a select few poisons at that. One of them being oleander, which, uh, as you mentioned, is about in California. Everywhere. There's some of it all around, <laughs> right? Okay. And it's, it's 
all year round too. All year round. So other landscaping poisons like foxglove, they don't live all the time. They die off, but you can always get oleander. (laughs) So you wouldn't really need to cultivate it expressly for your purposes. One drive down the highway and you got as much as you need. Uh, Apparently so. Yep. Um, So the LAPD brought in Dr. Frederick Riders, a Pennsylvania expert on oleander poisoning, who analyzed blood samples that had been taken from Waters' body before it was interred. He concluded that oleander poisoning was the true cause of his death. Wow. And with the kind of record that David Sconce had obtained, who knows how many more heart attacks were in his wake. That is... <laughs> wow. I brought you my A game. You sure did. <laughs> you sure did. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I... <laughs> the amount of bodies in the crematory almost eclipses the oleander. <laughs> I know it does. That's like... So the funny thing is, the headlines for this case are all oleander Oleander poisoning. They're like, man poisons rival, that kind of thing. Right. And there's an equally, there's even more, if you just look up his name, if you look up David Sconce, Mm. you will find all of the other horrors. But I looked up oleander poisoning, so I only got the other one. Yeah. And when I started reading the rest of it, I was like, like, oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I can't believe, first off, I can't believe this hasn't become a movie. I know. That That is a movie. It's not like somebody wrote like, I, wow. I told you, I told you I had a weird story for you. you. Did, but I had no <laughs> idea what I was in for. Yeah, it's a lot. I wish you guys could have seen my face through this whole thing because I was just like, <laughs> my mouth was on the ground. Wow. <laughs> so those are my. That's my mother poison. Incredible. Do you have one? I I have a yes. I have a little. Does it one. not involve fifty-five gallon drums of remains? <laughs> No, but I mean, I wish I would have looked harder. Listen, I'll find him. <laughs> you will. That is for sure. All right. Well, what are you going to tell us about? Um, I'm going to tell you about the murder of Lachvinder Chima. You, you did all the good pronunciation. <laughs> I said this name about 76 times on the way to here. That's just good. <laughs> I appreciate you. Because I clearly didn't read the Smithsonian article aloud beforehand. Right. In my head, it's just whatever. Out loud, I was like, oh, no. Ah, crap. Okay. (laughs) All right. You ready? I'm so ready. Okay, perfect. What would you do if the person you were having an affair with for 16 years was planning to leave you for a younger person? Well, I'd be furious because 16 years is a crazy long affair. That's I was reading this and I said, what? The tenacity one would have to have to just carry that on for that long. Okay. Well, the possibilities are endless, but the consensus is that the answer isn't usually travel great lengths to acquire a specific poison, travel back, and then add that said poison to tonight's curry. Well, that is you're not trying. Right. <laughs> not hard enough. Yeah. That is, unless your name is Lockfear Singh. In February of 2010, a court in England heard a case of Lockfear Singh, a 45-year-old woman from Feltham, UK. Um, who, upon being told by her former lover that he would be breaking off their 16-year affair and marrying a younger woman, came up with a plan to poison her 39-year-old lover. I mean, uh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Fair enough. And let me tell you something. She succeeded. Oh, boy. Hardcore. Oh, boy. Yeah. One night, Lakvir, after traveling to India to acquire a specific poison called Bic, B-I-K-H. Oh. A Nepalese poison made from the plant Aconitum ferox, otherwise known as wolfsbane. Which sounds like a curse. It does. It's a little, you know, 
Amanda could remember. <laughs> it sounds like. I literally had that thought. I was yeah. writing this and I was like, oh. Yeah, that's okay. what it is. Well, it is a native to India version of monkshood. Okay. Or that's another name for wolfsbane. Miss Singh snuck into Lakhinder's home, which was her lover, uh, where she would take the curry that she found in the fridge from the night before and okay. take a couple drops of the monkshood poison and poison her lover. Sure. Yeah. The total normal reaction. I mean, it's pretty mad. Yeah. Just, you know, a little, a little P.O. <laughs> why, why not go after the younger lover? That's what I want to know. Right. The, the, that's like the obvious route. Exactly. She said, oh, no, she's gone. <laughs> Come on back. She said, I don't even want you back. No. A year before the fatal poisoning, Lockfair threatened to burn down the house of Lockfinder if she ever found him in bed with his soon-to-be fiance. Oh, no. And you think that would be, you know, the end of everything. Yeah. But that was the unhinged threat that caused Mr. Chima uh, to break off the affair he was having with Miss Singh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You gotta go. Right. And that unknowingly sealed his fate. <laughs> oh, boy. After the initial breakup in 2008, Chima was hospitalized before all of this because she poisoned his food. Oh, no. So he was previously poisoned. Oh, no. And I'm, you think... He knew that? He, yes. Yes. Oh, no. He had a whole hospital stay and everything. Boy. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, he kind of deserved it. I, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Nobody deserves no, that. nobody deserves but it. Like, but it is a little... Come on. ...on the nose. Yeah, it is. For sure. <laughs> One month later, after returning from a trip to India with the, the poison called Bic, literally just one month later after that poisoning incident, she would poison him and he would die. So on the night of the poisoning... Women want to do it right. And you know and what? And they don't want to do it twice. So they come on. They don't. And you have to be smart to poison people. You and do. let's be real. Women do it best. Yeah. But on the night of the poisoning, Chima and his fiance, I'm probably going to butcher her name, but her name was Gurjeet Chung. And she was 21. And he was okay. 39. Um, oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't like Definitely it. much younger. Ugh. Um, they were eating leftover curry that they had in the fridge as they were excitedly discussing their nuptials. Gross. Yeah. After dinner, dinner uh, Chima noticed that his face began to go a little numb. And then he Happens began... Happens when you touch your plant. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, and he began to vomit and then oh. would eventually lose his vision and his abil ability to uh, move his limbs. So oh, no. So he was no. starting to become paralyzed. Okay, yeah. Yes. That's like a, almost like a strychnine situation. Yeah. And in just a few hours, Chima was dead after consuming uh, a second helping of curry. No. He had two. No. He had two, no. He had two big bowls of curry that night. I feel weird. I'm going to eat more curry. No. I mean, listen. I don't have a lot of sympathy right now. No, but if you're hungry, you're hungry. <laughs> I guess that's. I guess that's right. Gertie Chung, his fiance, um, would be left fighting for her life in the hospital. Oh, she ate some too. She, they, they were eating it together oh, while they shit. were talking okay. about their upcoming wedding. Okay. Yeah. And she was she wound up having to be put in a medically induced coma, <sighs> but she would go on to survive the poisoning. Okay. Yes. So she was one of the main people in the court. Yeah. <laughs> making statements. Yeah, you think? Yeah. On the night of the poisoning, Mr. Chima's sister was able to get him and his fiance to the hospital. Um, but there was nothing that could be done for... Oh, too late. Yeah, for them. Well, for him. 
Singh was convicted by the Crown. I love that sentence. By the Crown. The Crown. Yes. I was reading this article and I was like, this is so funny. Love that. Um, was convicted by the Crown for premeditated murder and grievous bodily harm. And she was sentenced to life in prison with a 23-year minimum term. In the UK, that's big. I guess so. It is. They have like a cap on it. Yeah. The life sentence is 25 years always there. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's I weird. was like, wow, that feels like really short. I know. But hmm. it's different. Yeah. <laughs> Weirdly, the last time someone w- went to trial for poisoning with aconite, I keep using all these different words. Anytime, anytime I say aconite, monkshood, or... It's fine. Yeah. We got it. Okay, good. But the last time somebody went to trial for using aconite was in 1882, the case of George Henry Lamson. He w- poisoned three of his colleagues with Wolfsbane-laced Dundee cake, which is my favorite cake. What's Dundee cake? Dundee cake is an almond and orange cake made with um, Dundee orange jam that you can only get from Scotland. Oh, it is. It sounds good. It's the Queen's favorite cake too. I want or it. Was it. The Queen's favorite now cake. I want cake. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, he poisoned the cake, and he brought three pre-sliced pieces of cake to his colleagues, and he poisoned them. That um, is the exact situation I was describing in the beginning when I'm like, yes. I want lemon bars on a silver tray. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. Full circle. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> also cake. Yes, also cake. <laughs> Coincidentally, Henry Lamson and the Lockfear Singh trial were both held in the exact same courtroom, 128 years apart. Wow. That's because England does not get rid of a court. <laughs> This is true. I think it was called like the old Mary or the like the oh, old. God. They're all old something. Old something. And I was like, wow, that's peculiar. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. But it garnered so much attention in the I UK bet. because nobody poisons people like this anymore. So why is it not? I mean, a popular poison is like a real weird thing to say. But why is it not one we hear about more often? Is it another one where you have to eat like a bucket of it or? <laughs> For, I think. Four milligrams. Oh wow, that's not a lot to have serious side effects. Serious side effects, and anything over that is enough for a very, very quick death. Wow. And the worst part about Wolfsbane is that just brushing up against it is enough to give you some symptoms of poisoning, because it is a neurotoxin that molecular level is so small that your skin can absorb it. Which is what people say about ricin, and that's not true. Right, that's not true. Got it. <laughs> nope. But it is wild. It is a wild, wild poison. Um, and i that's what I'm about to talk about. Oh, please. That was perfect. Okay. It starts with an upset stomach. When you, they all do. They all do, you know. Because your body tries to get it out. Right. And you're like, oh, nothing too serious. I just must have eaten something weird. That curry. <laughs> that, that curry. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but it quickly snowballs into facial numbness, tingling in the hands, nausea, vomiting, respiratory failure. Cardiac arrest, paralysis, and then death. Generally in that order. God damn. Yeah. It does not play around and it works so fast. If you eat too much of it, you know you're dying while you're dying. Well, a paralytic is going to make you not breathe. And you're going to know while you're going down. exactly. That's so scary. That's like the worst, scariest death. And that's what makes this murder crazy. She really, she premeditated it and then sought out a specific breed of oh, aconite. She's like, I want you to feel really bad mm-hmm. before you die. Yeah. So, I mean, wow. wild. Generally, it is said to feel like your organs are on fire the okay. whole time. <laughs> and the whole time you're um, in and out of consciousness, consciousness and dazed and confused. Great. So you don't know exactly what's happening. You know it's bad and you know you're probably not making it out. 
Holy shit. And like I said, due to its molecular structure, the toxins in aconite are so small that just by touching the plant, the toxins can be absorbed through the skin. It's a nightmare. And you just buy that shit? I, I sure as hell just bought it. And then I started doing more research on it afterwards. And I didn't research before, but I was like, oh, I've made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe lock this one up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, a lot of people wonder, though, why is it called wolfsbane? Ah, uh, yes. And it's, that's a great, great question. Perfect. In much earlier times, a lot of people say the 15 or 1400s, the dangers of aconite were well known to okay. people. During that time, um, they were just eating everything. Everything. <laughs> they were like, oh, blue flowers, delicious. Nom, 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 nom. And honestly, that is me. <laughs> I love to eat my flowers, not smell them. Um, but when they realized what it would do, hunters would poison raw meat and bait wolves and panthers and large predators. Oh. Um, and once they ate the meat, they were dead shortly thereafter. Of course. Yeah. Um, so, bane, when it's connected to any herb or flower, mm-hmm. is generally meant as a poison or it means uh, to kill. Wow. Yes. I thought it was a werewolf thing. Right. Everybody does. And that You would though. <laughs> you would, yeah, especially the way Hollywood has portrayed yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but uh it's linked to like lycanthropy came after and they don't really know exactly when. Um but yeah, wild, wild, wild. That's nuts. Yeah. I get the monk's hood moniker cuz it is like a bell-shaped flower. It does look kind of like a hood. You have to look at a it's a um look up a certain century, like 15th century monk's right. hoods. Mm-hmm. And it looks like that very like conical shape yeah. that comes down. It's very odd. Yeah, but I get that one. Yeah. That one makes sense to me. The wolfsbane didn't until you said, oh, yeah. they, they poison wolves with mm-hmm. it. Now I, now I get it. Yeah. I don't love it, but I get it. <laughs> and it also has a really cool mythology and folklore. Do you know where monk's hood or wolfsbane comes from? No. It is said that wherever Cerberus, the three-headed dog, Wherever his drool touched on the ground, Wolfsbane would grow. Ooh. It's, I love that little tidbit That's of information. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And it had so many uses in history. Um, mostly, none of them were probably right. No, none oh, of them. Oh, no. And also, I will talk about that right after this because people still use it today. For their scabby heads? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Maybe that one would work. I don't know. Just saying. They, you can get it at Whole Foods, but that's a whole... Why can you get it at Whole Foods? People think that it helps with anxiety. Because yeah, it, you're dead. Right. And it's uh, two tablets that you could put underneath your tongue. No, and thank it dissolves you. Sublingually, like yes. real fast. Yes, yes. And it's very, like, diluted. It, but still. Oh, people would be dying all over the place. Right. But also, don't do it. No, it 100% don't. Don't do it. Don't take the chance. No, don't eat the mad honey. Don't eat the medicine. Don't have wolfsbane anxiety meds. Don't do ayahuasca in the desert somewhere right. or the jungle. They don't go to the desert. They go to the jungle. <laughs> Just refrain. Yeah, don't, Just refrain. don't Look, guys. Don't touch, please don't, eat. don't do that. It's the title of this episode now. Yes. Look, don't touch, don't eat. Done. We did that. it. Great. Yes. Um, also, it is very popular in old-timey flying ointments, just like a lot of the other... Do they make you fly? They sure do. In oh, my wa- God. In ways that you wouldn't imagine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's um, psychoactive, usually. Yeah. And they'd be soaked in animal fats and different things and then applied to very sensitive parts of the body. Oh, shit. Yes. And um, they would cause you to feel like you were floating or flying. <laughs> yeah, so that's where the flying ointments and witches flying on brooms comes from. You're telling me these people were like butt chugging poison. 
Butt, front chugging poison, oh, back no. chugging poison. That's terrible. Yep. Oh, no. Yeah. So but they would, Bellatana, <gasps> Henbane, I, all these different plants. No. It was always the nightshade. And then Guys. I don't know how this didn't kill more people in, in those decoctions and things that they would make. Well, uh, I wonder if the poison is like oil soluble or something so that fats kind of like Maybe, dissolved it. Because yeah. it's possible. It is possible. Sometimes fats break things down. Right. So if they put it in an ointment, yeah. maybe that's what saved their lives. Perhaps. So don't eat it in a tablet, you <laughs> dumb fucks, because there's no oil in that. No, that is plant material. Holy shit. I can't believe you can buy it at Whole Foods. Yeah. And then you'd also have people, um, medicine people, or people who are practitioners of medicine, Subscribe, uh, prescribe it to people who were suffering from lycanthropy, which was generally just a mental illness. Well, yeah. You know, so they would... It was for sure It was mental. for sure. You know, maybe... It's just my hope that there was maybe one werewolf. <laughs> you don't... Well, you know what? We weren't there. We don't know. We weren't there. There could be. Yeah. But um, clinical lycanthropy was, I guess, is and still is a thing. Wasn't uh, Leslie does an unbelievably great piece on lycanthropy in one of our cryptos. Oh, that's episodes. right. Yes. It's so oh, good. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh man, I don't know where she found those stories, but they are very good. Right. I think it's in our cryptid episode. I have to try and reference it for you guys, but it is <laughs> so good. If you want to hear about clinical lycanthropy, yeah. Leslie nailed it. Anyway. But they would they would prescribe this. And it was usually um either Aconitum napellus or um another species, and it was a little yellow flower. And for most people who don't know, this is in the buttercup family. It's a ranunculus. Oh. Yeah, so all those like pretty little buttercups that people are you there. hold under your chin to see you like butter. Great. I Toxic. did that all the time. Same. I have so Same. much brain damage. There's no way I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and the property I live on now is covered in poison. Right. I mean, to the point where I text John I'm a like jealous. once a day. And I'm I, like, every Ugh. time I get a text, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Look at all my stuff. There's black widows all over too. Oh. My property is beautiful scary. but spooky. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> So that is my little that story. That was a great story. Thanks. Those were, everything was great. Thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Yeah, of course. Well, so now we have to toast. Yes. I forgot to toast with Jesse. I am so sorry, you guys. Um, it was definitely to Kyle. If you listened, you know why. Anyway, who do you, who would you, who or what would you like to toast? Toast to poisonous plants because I love them. Right. I've, uh, Leslie usually has the clinkers. Oh, Whoops. yes. <laughs> so we're going to toast to all the beautiful poisons. And I think specifically to Belladonna because she's every woman. Yes. She and we love her. Woman. Cheers. She's every woman. <laughs> she is. Cheers. And if our policy was to lick every single plant we came across, we, we would, would be, be dead. dead. Thank you for listening to the We Would Be Dead podcast. Hit subscribe now to never miss an episode. Rate and review our show on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Would Be Dead Pod. And join our Facebook group to discuss the podcast and more. Arsenic, strychnine, cyanide, belladonna, opium, cocaine, codeine. Ar ar arsenic, strychnine, cyanide, belladonna, opium, cocaine, codeine. Ar ar arsenic, strychnine, cyanide, belladonna, opium, cocaine, codeine. Ar ar arsenic, strychnine, cyanide, belladonna, opium, cocaine, codeine. Ar ar.
arsenic, strychnine, cyanide, belladonna, opium, cocaine, codeine, ar ar arsenic, strychnine, cyanide, belladonna, opium, cocaine, codeine, ar ar arsenic, strychnine, cyanide, belladonna, opium, cocaine, codeine, ar ar arsenic, strychnine, cyanide, belladonna, opium, cocaine, codeine, ar ar grain alcohol to mix it with or syringes to inject it through.